Well, today we're going to uh, focus on the death of Jesus. It's one of those uh, services where you really don't have a choice. And that's probably a good thing. And because we do need to come to the text and reflect on it a little bit. Whenever I hear that text read, and thanks, Verone, it's so good to see you here today and to have you read live for us. And uh, whenever I hear that text read, there's a line where the soldier says, surely this man was the son of God. And I don't know if some of you remember the old um, movie of Jesus and the death of Jesus. I think it was John Wayne that played that part. And you hear him say, surely this man was the son of God. You know, and that's what I hear in my head all the time as we come to this. Well, it's a lot more serious than that, I'm sure. And um, as we come, we recognize that the death of Jesus wasn't just an ordinary death. Did you get that sense from the passage that was read in Matthew? This wasn't just a martyr's death either. I mean, there's been many, many good women and men who have died a martyr's death, and we could probably name a few. Um, we're coming up to April 4th, and we remember Martin Luther King. Remember the assassination that happened there. And we could name lots of other people who have died for a cause, who have died, and we would consider them martyrs. But this is beyond that. This is somehow bigger than that. And it's obvious as we come to this, because we see this veil ripping, this earth splitting, this body raising event that Matthew talks about. And he uses this graphic detail to try and grab our attention and say, this is no ordinary death. We're used to death. We've seen death. We've been aware of death, especially this last year. But this is the death of all deaths in the death of Christ. This is the death that we need to focus on. But it's also obvious as we go through this that this is not defeat. I think it felt that way for the early disciples. When they went to Jerusalem, they warned Jesus, don't go there, it's a bad idea. They would have much rather have had a living Messiah than a dead Messiah. Because remember, lots of other Messiahs had come up already. We learned that in the Acts of the Apostles when the high priest Caiaphas says, this person came and this person came and this person came, all claiming to be Messiah. They were all killed and nothing came of their martyrdom. But this one's different. Even when Jesus dies, even in his death, he has victory. And that's what we have to celebrate today. I know that sometimes Good Friday service is a little bit more serious, a little more somber, but don't lose the note of victory. We actually don't have to wait until the resurrection to celebrate the victory of Jesus. It's right here. It's right in this death. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Do you see that public spectacle? He made a fool of them, all of the powers. He made a fool of them, triumphing at the cross. We don't have to wait to the resurrection to celebrate the victory of Jesus. And that's what we see here. And Matthew points this out, this kind of victory that we find. It's the victory over the power of religion and the law. The veil is ripped from top to bottom and the way is open to the Holy of Holies. It's a victory over the power of the state. Even the Roman centurion, the Roman soldier standing there acknowledges this was the son of God. Uh, it's a victory over the power of death. Even in the death of Christ, there are people that are raised to life as kind of first fruits, I guess, and of what's to come. And there's a victory there. 
And it's the victory over the power of all creation and even the chaos and the decay of creation as the earth shakes. Last Sunday, I introduced you to that word uh, to be shaken or shook. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, he didn't just stir the city. He shook the city to its core. Matthew picks up that same word and puts it here. And now it's not just the city that is shaken, but the whole earth. There's an earthquake. And so he shows the power over creation and even the decay of creation at the cross. So Matthew reveals the death of Christ, not just as a martyrdom, not just as an ordinary death, but as this cosmic and comprehensive impact that it has on the whole universe. And I think we need to really, really get that. Here's my point this morning that I really want us to get. The death of Christ includes the fact that Jesus died for your sins and my sins. That's important, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to see that it's much bigger than that. I know that sometimes growing up in church, I've heard the phrase, if I was the only one on earth, Jesus would have died for me. And I I get where that's coming from. But it's a little bit too sentimental for me when it comes to the power of what's happening here. It's so much bigger than just me. It's so much bigger than just you. The death of Christ has worldwide cosmic impact. And Matthew really wants us uh, to get that. So that's what we're going to explore a little bit today um, as we journey through the cross. But I want to ask you a question that's going to seem a little bit unrelated, but stay with me. I will try and tie it into something very spiritual. Okay, here's the question. What are you passionate about? Think about it for a moment. What are you passionate? You don't have to shout out, especially if it's food. I'm passionate about food, making it, but more on the eating side. But, you know, what are you passionate about? I think some people would say, well, I'm passionate about my kids, if you've got some. And um, I would say that. I'm passionate about my girls. Uh, Others might say, well, I'm passionate about a particular sport. I love volleyball or I love golf. Whatever it is, I'm passionate about that. Uh, Some might say, I'm passionate about my job. I feel like I'm making a difference and I love what I do and and I give myself to it with a certain kind of passion. Other people might say, I'm passionate about a cause. There's something I can really get behind, something that has to do with justice and mercy and making a difference in the world. I'm, I'm really, really passionate about it. What are you passionate about? Another way to ask that question would be this. For what are you willing to sacrifice? For what are you willing to sacrifice? Because the root of the word passion actually means to suffer or to endure. So when we talk about having compassion, that word actually means to suffer with someone. That's what passion is all about. So we talk about Passion Week. And that gives us a little bit of an insight into this. So when we say we're passionate about something, it means that we're willing to sacrifice for that thing. It means that we're willing to suffer a little or suffer a lot if it's kids that you're passionate about. Um, But there's a a suffering, there's a sacrifice. If you're really passionate about a particular sport, you're willing to sacrifice your time, your energy, your money, all that kind of stuff to give toward your passion. Do you get the... Where, where I'm going with this. So we talk about the passion of the Christ, the, the suffering endurance of Jesus. And here's the question I have for today for this. What was Jesus passionate about? What was he heading toward? 
What kept him going through the suffering, through the persecution, right through death? What was it that he was passionate about? Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 2 gives us a clue. It says this, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. There's the word. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, suffered the cross. He was willing to sacrifice for some kind of joy, for some kind of reward, for something that he was looking forward to on the other side of the cross. What was it? Well, I think we could think of a number of things, and I encourage you to go and think of this question. What was Jesus passionate about? It's very important if we are going to imitate Christ to know what he was passionate about. But here's three things uh, this morning for you to consider. First of all, Jesus, as he went to the cross, was passionate about the will of the Father. He was passionate to do the will of God. And sometimes we forget that when we just focus on Jesus died for me, Jesus loves me, that's important, we're going to get to it, but look bigger today. Jesus was passionate about doing the will of his Father. John chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus says, For I am come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And we know in the garden in Luke chapter 22, what does Jesus say? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was passionate about doing the will of the Father. He wanted us to know the glory of God revealed at the cross so passionately that he was willing to sacrifice. At the cross, we see the mercy, the grace, the justice, the holiness, the goodness, the power of God revealed. And Jesus was so passionate to see that accomplished that he was willing to sacrifice himself for it. So he's passionate about the will of the Father. Here's another thing Jesus was passionate about. Sometimes I think we overlook. He was passionate about the redemption of all creation. He was passionate about the reversal of the curse. And that's something that's really, really important. John chapter 1 teaches us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That establishes that Jesus was God. But then later on in those verses, it says that all things were made by him, that Jesus was the agent and the instigator in all of creation. Jesus is the one, essentially, who said, it is good. Jesus loves the created order. He loves that world of creation. And he's passionate about it, so passionate about it, that in Revelation chapter 21, he says this, Behold, I am making everything new when he's announcing the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. He's so passionate about the created order that he's not going to discard it or chuck it away, but he's going to recreate. He's going to make everything new. And the cross has something to do with that. We see this really clearly in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read some verses uh, from the message translation just to maybe get a different angle on maybe some familiar verses. It says this, The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready to be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. Have you ever thought about that? As you walk down Fish Creek Park and as you see the river, as you see the trees now coming into a little bit of green, and do you ever think the whole creation is groaning, waiting for the revelation of the children of God? That the whole creation 
is part of the redemption plan of God through Christ at the cross. That this event at the cross was so earth-shattering that the whole creation is involved, not just humanity. We, we see ourselves as so central to everything, don't we? As the most important thing in the whole world. And perhaps we need to realize that God's plan is for us, absolutely, but for all of creation. What a great thing to get caught up in. So Jesus was passionate about the will of the Father and the redemption of creation. But of course, he was passionate about our salvation as well, the salvation of all. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, For what I receive, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's where it comes down to, right? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're part of this. We're part of this whole event at the cross. To the point where Paul could say this with great confidence. I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not just about us, but it is about us. And we should be able to say personally today, when we look at the cross, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. That Jesus was so passionate about you and me that he was willing to sacrifice his very life in order to see us saved. At Bonham Vista Baptist Church, we have a statement. And uh, one of the values that we have is a passion for Christ. And sometimes I've wondered, exactly what does that look like? How do we live that out? And I've reflected on that a lot. I hope you have at some point. But here's a clue, I think. We develop a passion, a passion for Christ when we're passionate about the same things that he is. As we understand what God's heart is, and as we follow that, then we begin to develop a passion for Christ. We are willing to sacrifice and suffer for the same things that he was willing to sacrifice for. So here's my questions. Lots of questions today. Here's a few more. Are we passionate about doing the will of God? Even when it comes to hard times, even when we're facing difficult circumstances, can we pray with all sincerity, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Are we passionate about the will of God? Are we passionate about fulfilling our role of, as stewards of God's good creation? Are, are we interested in that? Are we engaged in wisely using our resources that we've been given, doing it wisely and doing it with gratitude as we walk through this earth? Are we good stewards? Are we passionate about sharing the gospel so that others might know forgiveness and enter into a right relationship with Jesus? When we understand the passion of the Christ, we begin to understand what we also need to be passionate about. And I think that will help us. Well, Jesus was willing to sacrifice. He was ready to suffer. And he did that for us and for all of creation. Matthew shows us the passion of the Christ and shows that it was a cosmic, earth-shaking kind of event. And so the invitation today is to share in that passion as we journey to the cross.